listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 15th chapter. Now... All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perspective in life affects everything even the smallest decisions. Our perspective of God has a similar effect. What if our perspective is incomplete? The picture is bigger than we realize, reaching beyond the insignificant boxes we too often create in our minds, in our hearts, beyond our petty convenience. Even if the trade-off is a lie, cemented in mediocrity, what would happen if we took a step back shifted our view of God, it may be all we need to unleash all we were meant for. The way you see God changes the way you live. What is your perspective? So when we think of things that are lost, all you have to do is like put on those lenses and it's like one of those things that like once you start thinking about it, it pops up everywhere. And I kept seeing it all over the place over the last couple of weeks. Like, I, did, I don't know if you caught this, it showed up in my news feed. Uh, there was this uh, man out hiking with his uh, kid and his girlfriend, and they went down into some canyon, and when they got down there, the water was too high, and they couldn't, they couldn't get back up. And so they did like the oldest thing in the book where they took a Nalgene bottle, and they like scratched help into it, and then they stuck a note inside the Nalgene bottle that said, hey, we're lost, help us, and they screwed the, they threw it into the river, and somebody actually found the Nalgene bottle, opened it up, pulled it out, sending out an SOS, remember that? Like, and, and, and the people came down and found them, they were rescued. I mean, it was that, just this week, these people that were lost were found. It, or just yesterday, I went to the Somerset Festival over at uh, Clement Park, and I was there with my family and we were hanging out and it was crowded and there was like bouncy houses and there's stuff everywhere and it was really packed full of people. 
And I was, uh, we were just walking out when this kid, this young man just comes over to us and starts just like, where's Devin? Where's Devin? He's sitting there looking for his caregiver. I, we, we're pretty sure that uh, it was an 11-year-old, 12-year-old, but with uh, autism in some, uh, on the spectrum somewhere. So difficulty communicating, can't really kind of put things together. And so Tia and I and our kids were walking around going, Devin, Devin, where are you? And we're walking around. And then finally I had to go find the sheriff and bring the sheriff over. But then right when I brought him over, there was Devin. And I guess this was a kid who was known to wander sometimes and kind of get onto his ideas and get lost. And so even there, just it's, it's these images, this feeling of lost. I think we've all seen that. We've all experienced it. It's a, it's a very shared experience. How, how many of you have ever been really, really lost? Oh, Clarence, you've never been lost. Well done, sir. I, I, everybody, if you ever need to know where you are, talk to Clarence. <laughs> right. how, how many of you have ever been lost? That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, me too, for sure. Okay, or, or what's worse? How many of you ever lost something? Yeah, yeah. I'm there. It's a shared experience. It's something that we can all sort of relate to. And, it, and, and of course, it doesn't take, uh, you know, a great scientist to, to see that feeling come up as we bring this idea together with Jesus. Here's Jesus, and, and he's sitting and speaking of good news. And wouldn't you know it, people actually like what he has to say. And so it brings him all sorts of people, surrounds him with all different kinds of people. And then there's one group who grumble about it. Now, that would never happen at Abiding Hope Church, right? No, no, it would never. No, of course it happens. This grumbling about who's in and out and who belongs and all of this. And I love that Jesus, when Jesus hears grumbling, I love that Jesus tells stories. Have you ever just thought about kind of how ridiculous that is a little bit? Like imagine one of you coming over to me and being like, Pastor Jay, you know, I've been going to the coffee for a while, but I just don't like our brand of coffee. We should get a different coffee or a different roast. And I went, let me tell you a story. Right? I, I love that that's how Jesus encounters issues. He just, he just likes to tell a story. And so he tells a story and he says, which one of you, which one of you being out in the wilderness with your hundred sheep loses one? Wouldn't go track it down and find it and bring it back. When you brought it back, rejoice, throw it on your shoulders, tell all your neighbors, be excited. And which one of you, if you had $1 million, lost $100,000, which one of you wouldn't be like, where's my $100,000, right? Which one of you wouldn't do that? Of course you would go and look for it. Now, when you're hearing these texts, when you're hearing this lesson, how many of you are thinking in terms of that lost and found place? How many of you are thinking in terms of like, who's lost and who's found? Who's righteous? Who's in? Who's out? Where do you, what, how many of you are just kind of thinking like, uh, who are the lost people? Who are the in people? Who are the out people? Yeah, it's easy to get into that space where we're thinking about that sense of lost and found. And where am I lost and where am I found? Or, or who around me is lost or found? But that is not at all what Jesus was drawing attention to. What Jesus, Jesus wasn't saying, so you need to be lost or found or... To, Jesus' Jesus' whole focus here was saying, which one of you, which one of you doesn't care about the lost one? The, the emphasis, the view that Jesus is trying to get us from, the perspective is from the person looking for the lost one. Not from the lost and the found, from the perspective of the person who's hunting. And that's a very different feeling. That's a very different perspective. Makes me think of a story when in my last church in South Carolina, over 4th of July week, we used to hold this big congregational retreat 
where we'd all go down to this retreat center down by Isle of Palms over Fourth of July weekend, and we'd stay a week, and we would stay all week, and we would have devotions and worship, and we'd go to the beach, and we'd come in at night, and we'd we'd have worship on the beach, and we'd get up in the night and take flashlights and look for the crabs. It was a wonderful week. But then we were always there over Fourth of July, and Fourth of July was always packed on the beach. They would always let off fireworks right over the water and the people would come and it would be packed full of people. And so there would be the 60, 70, 80 of us all on the beach. And, and you know, it's like you do when you're all together in family and we're all kind of watching out for each other's kids and, and hanging out in community together. When you hear that phrase, where's Jude? And you know how it starts, right? That kind of, wait, where's Jude? Well, he's, he's got to be here somewhere. He's got to be right here, right? Wait, I don't, I don't see him. Where's Jude? And our first thought goes to, he went into the water. And he was like two, three years old. Do you get that feeling? Do you get that panic? Do you get that sense of like, Wait a minute, where's Jude? And suddenly it's like the whole earth stands still. And suddenly I turned to my other two kids and said, you stay here. And we go marching to the water and I still hear to this day, my wife screaming, Jude, Jude, and how? hard that was for us because our first thought is my son is dead hurt injured in need lost in pain hurting and I'm wound up inside which one of you which one of you doesn't get that which one of you doesn't have that kind of compassion for the one who's lost. Which one of you doesn't see? Where are they? Because I knew for my son Jude that I was not fine until he was fine. Yeah? I'm not okay until I know he's okay. Which one of you? Which one of you says, boy, that lamb, it's going to stay out in the wilderness until it forgives, repents, and turns around and comes home? Right? Stupid lamb in trouble right is that the way we treat the lamb which one of us says ah oh, stupid coin get in my wallet you're in big trouble <laughs> right of course we don't of course we don't what we do is we go hunt we light a candle we sweep we check carefully we look up and down the beach we scream we get our friends and neighbors we run up and down the beach and we yell jude jude and when we find jude about 200 yards it was a real simple mistake it's a very busy place so many big people hard to see mom and dad and friends through all of the walking and chaos simply couldn't find and then walked down the beach looking for us and so about 100 200 yards down there was just a man holding jude's hand kind of going <laughs> what do you think we did when we found jude did i go jude you're in big trouble bad boy 
what did I do? I grabbed him. I picked him up. I threw him on my shoulders. I said, Jude. And that feeling, that feeling, when we say rejoice, it looks like this. Oh, thank God. Because what was lost is found. What I thought was harmed is alive. Right? Which one of you, which one of you doesn't have that heart for the ones who are lost and hurting? Because we do that, don't we? We want to say, well, that lamb deserves to be there. That lamb needs to repent. That's the whole problem is we have an issue with that word repent that's just wrong. We, we do it wrong. Because in our culture, the way that we have interpreted repentance is this. Repentance means you've done wrong. You've got to say you're sorry. You've got to do mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. And you've got to come groveling back and say, I'm so sorry. And then we'll go, okay, I guess you're back in, Right? That's how we view repentance, but that's not how Jesus used the word repentance. The word repentance in Hebrew or Aramaic is this wonderful word called teshuv. Can you say teshuv? And what that word means is return. Not repentance. The word is return. So hear the text this way. That the angels of God celebrate when one returns. Doesn't that sound different than repents? Because repentance object isn't what you got to do to be right. Return is simply when the one is gathered up again and says, oh, you're okay. You're okay. I've been thinking a lot about church and why church exists and what we're here to do. And I'll be honest, I get real frustrated with church sometimes. I get frustrated because it seems like it's really easy to move into this mode of church. The reason the churches exist is for me to feel my needs because I need it and it better do things my way so that I can get what I need out of my church, right? But the church exists. The reason the church exists is for the benefit of its non-members. Let me say that again. The reason the church exists is for the benefit of its non-members. And so when Jesus says to those Pharisees, which, which one of you does not care about the lost, care about the one who's hurting, care about the one who's in prison, care about the one who is angry and frustrated, care about the one who's mad, care about the one who doesn't get it, care about the one who's depressed, which one of you doesn't care about that one? And which one of you wouldn't leave everybody else to go find that one? I mean, if my wife called right now and said, I can't find Eden, bye, y'all. Which one of you doesn't care about that one? That empty chair at your table, that place that somebody needs, which one of you doesn't care about that? The accusation that Jesus is leveling at those Pharisees is they've lost compassion for those who don't fit or those who aren't there, or those who don't measure up, or those who are in the wrong space. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus, Jesus is begging us as church to break down that stony heart that we have, who thinks that all of this is about you and figuring out it's all about them. It's all about us 
equipping us to be the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus. Where? In the world, not in the church. To be equipping us so that we can go out there and we can be looking for those who are lost, hurting, forsaken, feeling broken, feeling wounded, and gathering them up and not saying, well, I don't know, you've got a lot of work to do. But saying, you're home, you're home, come home. And putting our arms around them, throwing them on our shoulders and saying, come on, you're coming with me. You don't get a choice. When, when do we rediscover that we exist for the good of the world and not just for us? I have so many friends. I have so many friends who've been wounded by the church, who've been wounded by the good news of Jesus Christ, who've been told that they're not good enough, who've been told that, that, that they have to behave a particular way. And it's usually the leader's way. It's, you've got to act like the leader. You've been, who've been told that they're not worthy, who've been told that, well, unless you do X, Y, or Z, then God. And that kind of God, it simply isn't the God that I know. The God that I know doesn't say to the sheep, well, you got to get your life together first. The God I know goes and hunts that lamb down and says, you're mine and you're coming with me. Right? Does that lamb get a choice? Heck no. I'd say something else. Heck no. That lamb is hunted for because it's loved by a loving God. We have a treasure in this church treasure that's called good news. And if we leave it in this building, what's going to happen to us is we're going to go away. But when we live this good news in our communities, in our households, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to school, when we live out this passion for the lost and the hurting and the people who are struggling to get by, whew, then the angels of God rejoice and say, oh, thank God. They're home. Oh, thank God. I heard a story from my brother who was visiting about a, a person on their block. And in their house, the weeds were getting high and the grass was getting high and the windows were getting cracked. And, and in this kind of nice neighborhood, there's this one house that just was a mess. Now, what would we typically do in this situation? Email the HOA. I want you to go to 840 Fairview Lane because they are decreasing the value of my home, right? Right? And we have a covenant that you're supposed to keep your yard, right? Judgy, lammy. But what, we, they, what they found out was that in that house was an elderly man. And his son had been paying for somebody to watch the house. But the person watching the house was taking the money for themselves and neglecting the man in the home. And the reason they found out is because somebody cared and went down and knocked on that door and said, are you okay? They had compassion and not judgment. They put aside their grumbling to reach out to the one who needed compassion. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. In a moment, we're going uh, to be taking a, a look here, and we're going to be spending just a little time of quiet. 
And what I want you to do is I want you to grab your weekly beat or connect card, and I want you to be thinking about someone in your life that maybe you're grumbling about right now. It's your grumbling. And maybe Jesus is saying, maybe you should be acting out of compassion. Maybe you should see that they're maybe not lost, but maybe they're hurting or maybe they're in pain. And maybe they need you to reach out to them with something that sounds like good news. Because who among you, who among you, seeing that, wouldn't go out and chase that? I mean, if only we had a church that said all means all, right? I mean, if only we had a church that said the gifts of God are free, right? If only. <laughs> Lisa's like, where do I find that? <laughs> People of God, get up, go out, find them, and love them. Don't judge them. Love them. Tell them that they are welcome home. If you'll pray with me. God, uh, you are the great seeker. You are the great searcher. And God, we've all been lost. And you've always come and hunted us down. We didn't have to find our way to you. You came for us. And so God, we ask for you to inspire us today to simply reflect you in our lives. Send us as vessels of compassion and joy to those who are hungry, those who are lost, those who are hurting. Send us, God, as those angels so that your angels can rejoice. God, when we miss that opportunity, forgive us. We, we, we mess it up, Lord, we do. But then don't leave us there. Pick us up, dust us off, and send us back on the way to do that work. We got, ask God now that you would lead us to those people in our life that we're grumbling about that you would open up for us a place of compassion, that we can care again, love again, that we can be that heart that you have for us to be in the world. Strengthen us for that work, God. It's hard work, but strengthen us for that. And do that through the gift of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen.